sinners, so unworthy. Amen? But for us, he came to die. Man, all the songs this, this evening were right in line with Orion. We were, I, I, there's uh, Reaches from the Highest Mountain. I was writing that song down just to even sing after the service tonight. And So there it was in the beginning. Right in theme. We appreciate when the Lord leads that way. Amen. Well, we'll turn in your scriptures tonight. We're going to turn to Matthew 5. start in uh, just one one short verse. We'll read a little bit more later on, but just to start out. All right, well, Matthew 5 and verse 48. Lots of rustling. <laughs> Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Amen. You may be seated. Short scripture reading. Be therefore perfect. Perfection. Something that everybody is driving for in some way. Seems that I think the, you know, the world is caught up in trying to be, as, as many are, to be the best you can be. And you're striving for a, a, some state of perfection. And uh, even in the last little bit, there's been some studies that have just noted an increase in the drive for perfection. Man is wanting to ever improve, and it's been that way over time, trying to figure out how to be better, how to, how to do something just that much better so that they can find that perfect mark of perfection. And in fact, this day, we've had such an increase in the in this, what they call socially prescribed perfectionism. And a large part of that has been because of all the, a lot of the social media. And so people have been forced, they feel like there's a, a demand for them to have a display on their media and their social media accounts of, of perfection. So they feel really demanded to try and produce something and put forward something that is perfect. Like I said, a large part of this is because people have become more individualistic. They become more materialistic and more socially antagonistic. <laughs> but what exactly is perfect? What exactly is perfect? So perfect is, by definition, having all the required or desirable elements or qualities or characteristics. Ideal, without fault. Flawless, faultless, free from any flaw or defect in a condition or quality, absolute or complete. These are all either synonyms out of a thesaurus or out of the dictionary trying to define what exactly is perfect. Jesus said, be therefore perfect. But man has its own conception of what perfect is. And it can be, in man's point of view, it's actually a very relative figure because perfect to you might not be perfect to me, right? In fact, some people feel that there's a, even a, and I'm sure a lot of the young boys and such, they've seen a website and a, and a bunch of guys and they do perfect shots, trick shots. And it's, that's perfect to them. In fact, 30 million plus people follow this group 
called Dude Perfect because they feel that's their idea of what perfect is and how well they can do tricky shots and that's perfect. That's one or 30 plus million people definition of perfect. Those that love cars, they put a big study together and they wanted a big poll and said, what's the perfect car? What's the perfect car? Well, the perfect car is the body of a Lamborghini Urus, off-road tires like a Honda Civic Type R alloys, Audi R8 doors, an Alfa Romeo grille, a mechanical spoiler of a Lamborghini Gallardo, a Bentley badge, lights from a BMW 6, a Hyundai i30 exhaust, and electric blue paint with matte black roof and trim. That's the world's definition of a perfect car. You can put that up if you want. That's the perfect car. Back and front. That's the world's definition of perfect. There's the perfect car. Very relative, isn't it? I'm sure some of the people here that enjoy cars, you can take that down, are saying, I don't agree with that whatsoever. Not the perfect car at all. <laughs> but you know, with all of the relativity, there came a counterculture, they say, that has gone all the way on the other side. and said, nothing can be perfect anymore. There is no perfect. In fact, numerous quotes said, we can't attain perfection, but if we chase it, we can get the excellence. It is something, another person said, it's something in reality that doesn't exist. As everything can be approved upon, and it will be an ongoing process for the length of human evolution, a marker that humans will probably, probably never achieve, never achieve perfection. Another person, another, something that cannot be achieved, it's a very complicated state. A perfect, they said, per- perfect means free from faults, without flaws, as good as it's possible to be, has all the ideal characteristics, which we explained in one of definition. They said it all depends on how it's used and what it's describing. A perfect diamond has no flaws. A perfect stranger is someone who you have no connection with in any way. And a perfect meal has everything that you would desire, exactly as you like it, but a perfect person doesn't exist. And like I said, we're so wrapped up with our social culture in trying to curate and produce a perfect public image that's not really reality. And he said it's causing quite a lot of negative mental impact on our culture with the widespread portrayal of unrealistic body images that they feel is perfect, but really it's not who they really are. So man is striving for atten- to attain better set my timer perfection in some way and some feeling that it's not attainable. I felt that was a real sad state for humanity. You know, who's striven for all time and continually trying to improve and trying to find some form of perfection. Scripture says again, our scripture, be therefore perfect. So there is some way to be there, but man can't find it, and they're struggling to find how to become perfect. But I'll just step back. Let's just step back far, far back in time when there was a time when things were actually in a very perfect state. And that was way back in the garden, and God had created a, a very perfect place. And there, in Adam and Eve, the most, but Abraham said, the most perfect couple. 
that ever walked on earth. And he describes Adam and he talks about how he's got his shaggy hair and has, he said, shoulders. He goes, not like a barn door. He said, like a man, a perfect built man. Eve was beautiful. Said, and he, she woke up after that operation with Adam and he looked at her and her beautiful hair hanging down and down her back and a sparkle in her eyes like the stars. Adam looking at her and beautiful, he said, never to fade out. And he said, God made it perfect. And I can imagine as they walked through the garden, Brother Bram talks about them, Eve holding on to Adam's arm, and walking through the great gardens of God and everything, Brother Bram said it was just perfect. Perfect in love, no harm or danger, nothing. Nothing there to ever cause a worry or fear. Brother Bram said it was perfect. And there Adam and Eve were, his shaggy hair hanging down, he said his bright flashy eyes, Eve, he said, perfect built woman, and eyes blue as the sky. He said, Adam loved her. He said, oh, Adam loved her. He said, but then sin entered in. But he will go back. He said, Kim, imagine just Adam and Eve sitting there. And he said, they'd walk through the garden and under the palm trees. And God, he said, would come down. And he said, my children. And he said, yes, Father. He said, it's all well. He said, oh, all is well. All is well. He said, have you enjoyed the, the blessings of your father today? He said, oh, yes, Father, we've enjoyed it. Here they are in perfect Eden, in a perfect place, something that we've never been able to, to, to grasp and to, to feel. And he said, here comes Leo the lion. What about him says this? Look it up. And he said, he comes up and Adam pats him on the head and he kneels himself down. Cheetah comes Tiger comes, and they all kneel down beside. And they're coming down in the garden in the cool of the evening. But Abraham says, over the trees, God comes. And here they are to have fellowship with God in a perfect atmosphere, in a perfect time. And he says, have you enjoyed what your Father has given you this day? And all creation says, yes. They respond, no death, no sorrow. He said, that's the way God said, oh, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this wonderful? And as he could see his creation in its perfect harmony. He said, and then the first thing you know, sin entered in. And started to, and tore that perfection away. And God came down and he said he roared through those trees coming through. And he said he wanted to be worshipped. He's God. And he said his children wasn't there to worship him. And he's, he said he looks down and asked the, asked the lion. He says, where, where, where's my children? I said, well, I don't know. He says, have you seen Adam? No, no. He calls out, Adam. Adam, where art thou? No answer. That's the nature of man. Now that we've sinned, they want to hide. There's a guilt. There's a shame that comes with that. And there's a weight. But Abraham said he should have been right out there saying, Oh, Lord, Father, I've sinned. I've sinned. And come up and, oh, forgive me, I've sinned. But instead, it's hiding. It's hiding the shame of what was done. And that, God is calling, Adam, Adam, where art thou? He's looking around, looking around. He said, directly, he looked down, and he's seen him. He's seen him sitting there, standing behind some bushes. He says, come out, Adam. He says, I can't, I'm naked. He says, who told you you're naked? He said, the woman you give me. 
And he said, no, the serpent did it. He said, and there you are. The picture of fellowship was broken right there. He said, God couldn't talk to his people anymore because they'd broken and they'd sinned and transgressed his law. He said, the day you eat thereof, the day you die. And that was final. He said, but Abraham says, God said, I need to talk to him. So he went out there and he got some sheepskins and he said he threw it. He brought them old bloody sheepskins. And he threw it into the, into the bushes, he said. He said, put these on. He said, here come Adam and Eve wrapped in these old sheepskins coming out of the bushes now. You know, they had tried to put on fig leaves. But their own idea still could not be presented before God. They still felt shame and guilt, even though they tried to put some of their own thoughts together. But Abraham called it a fig leaf religion. It's showing you that you could have your own thought of what you should or shouldn't do or what you've done or what you present before God, but it's not your thought. Their thought couldn't bring them into the presence of God. God wouldn't even look at them until they'd put some bloody sheepskins on. God's own provided way there. Your thoughts won't stand. Here he goes. They're coming out. And I can imagine... What a sight that would have been as Adam and Eve now were in bloody sheepskins. You can imagine little Eve and the, the blood now running down their legs and their shoulders of these skins that they've had to put on. Down their shoulders and around the collar and how they've wrapped these sheepskins on them. Getting all stuck in their hair and their heads hung down in shame. And they walk out now before God. God said, not in exact, he said, because you listened to your wife instead of me, I took you from the dust and to the dust you're going to return. And then he told the woman with a curse and how she'd bring life in the world and how she took life and now she'd be part to bring life and multiply, and multiply her sorrows with conceptions. And then he told the serpent, because you did this, you'll crawl on the belly all your days of your life, hated in the dust you'll eat. Well, what a change of that time would have happened as perfection now was marred. And they walked now, and suddenly things started to change. Things that we feel every day, they had never felt. Right? Adam now feeling suddenly maybe an ache. What is that? What's that? That would have been brand new. As they started to feel the effects of sin. Aches coming in their shoulders, maybe a little bit around, maybe a little rheumatism in the back of Adam. Eve now tears just running down her pretty cheeks. He said her lips, he said her lips were red, just bright red. But now they're just starting to turn pale. Wrinkles coming in and going underneath their eyes and all this, all the, the effects now of a dying mortal body. Adam's hair slipping out, shag coming in here. He said grays coming and setting in and the tears now dropping off his manly chest. And his chest began to sink in and become hollow. And you think Adam, made in the image of God, in all what God thought a man should be, and now it's starting to deteriorate. And little Eve, she said, you know, she knew she was the cause of it. And she said, oh, Adam, what have I done, darling? She leaned her little head on his shoulder. She said, honey, I'm the cause of it. We're condemned. Look at us. And we're turning to dust. 
God hid his face from us because we can't see him no more. Look at these old bloody, I'm ashamed. And Adam began to cry. His tears running down his cheeks. Spatting on top of her head, he says. Mixing with tears and blood. He put his arm around his wife. And God said, depart out of my presence. What a time that must have been. God's perfection completely tore apart by disbelieving one word. Adam is walking out, and now they're walking out of the garden. God has sent them away. Can you imagine God? He's the father. This is his son and his daughter. You'd imagine what he felt as they're now going to walk. He had to say, depart from me. He couldn't go back on his word. But our band says you can hear those bloody sheepskin as they walked out, as they just patted his leg, as he walked out. He said, there goes his boy, there goes his girl. There they left the garden and all mankind just plunged into sin and utter imperfection. Flawed and blemished the defects because the transgression of the word and the penalty was death. God requires perfection. Be therefore perfect. And he can't go back on his word. It was his law. But you've got to be perfect to go, or you'll never go to heaven, but Abraham says, then you've, got to be, then you've got to be just as perfect as God is, or you're lost. He says, one little mistake and you're lost. One little flack of the eye. That's how righteous God is. Not even one little roll of an eye. That alone was enough death. Right there. Nothing and enter those places but perfection. God put Satan, he said, one time as an angel. He said he was the son of the morning. He took the good things of God and perverted them. He said, God is sure that nothing, nothing will enter there ever again that will do that. So God is protecting. He said, this will never happen again. Perfection is demanded. But divine love was being projected there at that time. God had a love for his son and his daughter but Abraham says when divine love is projected, sovereign grace now steps in. He said this was his son and his daughter, and he couldn't go back on his word. But he was already now thinking of what can I do to fix this. God conceived in his thoughts, he says, I'll take their place. I'll die in their stead. He said, I can't let him go like that. Right? I can't let my girl die in his place. So he says, I'll put enmity, and he's thinking. Now what to do? And we know that he says, I'll overshadow a virgin. I know it. And he already ended before the foundation of the world. He had this in place. Amen? But before that time, God had to put a substitute in place. There was a substitute because God wasn't coming at that time. And a substitution was made. And he'd, he'd made the bloody lambskins there. For, a mo- for that moment now, and for a portion of time, God sub- had put a substitute. An innocent creature had to die for the guilty. And it went for the guilty sinner. He said, year after year, now we went into a portion of a sacrificed lamb. And think of the hundreds and thousands of sacrifices that were done 
for a guilty sinner. But God required it because a sinful man could not die. He couldn't be another person because he was a man. Man was, man, another man was a sinner. All have come sin. All have sinned. It comes short. It had to be something that was innocent. Innocent for the guilty. But that process, that was not a, a nice process either. The sacrificing of a lamb. What the worshiper had to do to bring a lamb to atone for his sin. They had to go and find a spotless lamb. One without blemish. Maybe it was, in some cases, maybe it was a child or something. Maybe it was one of the only few little lambs he had to him. He needed to take something that was precious to him. He needed to bring that to the priest. He had to lay that lamb on the altar. He had to put his hands there. And then his neck was cut. And he had to be part of that sacrifice. That blood would have poured on his hands and on the neck. He identified with the sacrificed lamb to atone for his sin. That poor little lamb would be bleeding and his body would straighten out and that blood would come out and bathe the worshiper all so that the sin of that one was atoned for. Why don't you turn to Hebrews 10.1? For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comer thereunto perfect. So we read that for the law having a shadow of good things to come could never with those sacrifices make the comers thereunto perfect. So every year they would have brought multiple times a sacrifice in and over and over again they would have brought this in. But they would have left with the same desire. It didn't ever cleanse the person or change the desire from their sin. I can imagine that would have been somewhat frustrating because there was no atonement that could fully take away desire. And so someone that had maybe a lying problem was continually bringing a lamb and coming and having to go through the process of sacrificing a lamb. This wasn't a simple process. And it wasn't just a, something that you do willy-nilly. They'd have to do it every time, but there they go. The desire wasn't taken away or the, the, that you know, need to lie wasn't taken away. They'd have to go back again and again and again because all it was was covering. It was not actually atoning, full atonement for that sin and taking away the desire. The next verse, for they would then not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. Abraham said that conscience is desire of sin. If the offering had been made, if it was perfect, if they had come and that they they came and brought the sacrifice lamb, and it was a perfect sacrifice and it took the desire away, they'd never have to do that again. It'd have been all done. But then it would have been something that they did. If some they brought the sacrifice, and. It, that had been something of their own merit. And there's no way it could be that. It didn't matter who you are. 
Nothing that, it would basically null everything that Christ did if it was something that we could do. And then he died in vain. He hung on the cross in vain because it's something that the sinner could bring their lamb and do something under their own actions and null and void everything that Calvary was. Couldn't be. But Abraham says no law-keeping, no legalistic ideas, nothing, you know, not your own holiness, no things that you could quit doing. You could quit lying, quit stealing, quit smoking, quit going to picture shows. He says, still you're lost. Joining churches, baptisms, orders, read, reading creeds, saying prayers. He says, nothing you can do can save you. You're lost. There's no merits of our own that we can do. But in those sacrifices, the next verse, verse 3, But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance, again, made of sins every year, which we talked about. The worshiper left every time with the same desire. Sacrifice was just a covering. It was pointing to something, but he still left with the desire in his heart. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. That would have been such a bleak picture if that's where it ended. If read through that scripture and says, but the, it's not possible. I say, well, it can't be perfect. How, how, do we, how, how, do this, how do we attain that? But that wasn't the end. God would be unjust if he demanded perfection and did not provide a way to be perfect. Amen? That would be an unjust God, which we know he's not. Hebrews 10.12, we'll just skip up a little bit. But this man, amen, this man, amen, not a sinful man like me or you, amen, it was God-man, amen, almighty God came down after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected for them Forever, them that are sanctified. Amen? There it was. God had in the back of his mind, long before even Eve and all of that that transpired in the garden. And you can imagine the God looking at that and watching the scene and having to send them, depart out of my presence, and sending them out of the garden. But he had already had an atonement. He knew what, he knew what, was go, he knew what Satan was going to do. He says, way back before the foundation of the world, when Satan done the evil, because Satan had in his mind what he was going to do, God seen how he could counteract it. Amen. He couldn't go back on his law. He could not, well, you know, change things. He had to follow through with it. But already he knew how to counteract what happened in the garden. A bleak picture, a sad picture, and the flapping of the skins on their legs and crushing of God's heart as he saw his son and his daughter have to be departed out of his presence and perfection marred. But he knew how to counteract it. Amen. He knew, he said, those that wanted to be saved all the way down through time. He's got to make a preparation for their salvation. Amen? He says, or they'll never be saved. He knows that anything imperfect cannot come into heaven. He said, be therefore perfect. He knows that, so he had to make a way for perfection for you and I. I love it. He said, let's go. He goes, I'm going to do this myself. Amen? He says, I'll come down into the world. It had to be him. It had to be a spotless one. Had to be a blameless one. Amen? He says, I'll pay the penalty that's required here. He set the law. He set the price. Amen? I'll take the place. I'll make them perfect. 
Amen? Because I'll bring them in me because I am perfect. Amen? That was God. Some things God just has to do himself. No one else can handle it. No one else can do it. I think of what Brother Brown talks about is the, uh, the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. And he's talking about what's going on. And he's got Gabriel up there and Wormwood. And they're saying, you know, Lord, you see what's going on down there? You've got three of your sons that are, that are in some trouble. He says, you know, when Gabriel comes up and he draws his sword. And he says, let me go down there. You know, I've, I've been a mighty angel. I can go take care of this. No, no, no. You know, it's, no, you weren't, Gabriel, you just put the sword away. Wormwood, he said, come up. And, you know, I sunk the, the, did the flood. And I brought the rains and down and the floods up. And, and dealt with the antediluvian world. And, and he said, no, no, Wormwood, you know. It's okay. I've I got to deal with this one. He says, I've got I to handle this. I'm going down there, right? He said, so what did he do? He hitched up the four winds, he said, and he got a big old thundercloud and took a zigzag lightning and hitched him up and went right down there. He said he grabbed a palm, and right as their last step went in that furnace, fourth man in the fire was there. Amen. Waved that palm, that palm and put that fire down, and not even smoke was smelting them. That was God had to do that himself. Here we are in another situation where God said, yeah, I must do this myself. This is something I must do. Amen. Down from his glory, ever living story, my God and Savior came. Amen. You can imagine from the ramparts of glory, the king of kings now is coming down to be formed and stepped into flesh. Now we leave the Garden of Eden in that sad state. That they were in. And 4,000 or so years later, we hear a mob crying, Crucify him! Crucify him! And how now God has now stepped in to take and atone for man. He says, Oh, they rejected me. They don't know who I am. They had no clue who he was. Here he was there, the king of kings now. So they don't even know. He goes, I'm the very one that pronounced this. As I pronounce this curse, yonder in the Garden of Eden, I've come to redeem them. And here they didn't even know it. Crucify him. And here he was coming now to take care of the curse. He's like, I could speak legions of angels. One time, Brother Bram says, 12 legions. He said, one legion would take, take the whole world out. But he said, if they would, they're going to be lost. And after all, I was the one who put the curse on them. He says, now I'm going to come and take the curse off. And let them through their sins crucify me. Incredible. Incredible. And there they started demanding his blood. Hung him onto a post. Whipped him. Beat him. But Abraham says, till his ribs showed through his back. Mocked him. Scorned and whipped. His tears would have been running down his cheeks. His He's seeing his people and what they're doing to him. And the crown of thorns that would have been pressed upon his head. And they're railing on him as he's stumbling through the street. And here is perfection. Coming to complete and pay the price of this curse. Blood now starting to seep through his robes as the whippings have brutally marred him. And he's now walking down the street. And that cross, as Brother Brown tells it in one time, and it goes bumpity, bumpity as it's on his shoulders. And it's bumping down the cobblestone. And you can imagine the pain as it's pressing down onto his back. 
And hear the people shouting in his face, go on, blasphemer, yelling in his face, where are the miracles now? Just railing on him as he's walking down the street. And here he said, I'll come to take the curse off them. This is what's on his mind. He's a cavalry ahead of him. Those little spots, he says, run up into one big spot. He says, I hear them now. And he says, that robe that he had on was now just becoming completely, completely bloody. And the garment, he said, now is beating against his leg. We heard that same sound many years before as that blood was slapping against Adam's leg. And now we hear another sound of that second Adam. Amen. He said, was it? Is it animal blood? He said, no, sir. He said, that's the second Adam. That's the God of heaven. He said, that's not animal blood. That's God's blood. Amen. Beating against his legs, going to die for the human race. God made Adam. He said, himself, living here on earth, going to die for the human race. Amen. The blood of bulls and goats said, couldn't do it. Couldn't take away sin. But in due season, Jesus Christ comes to make the worshiper perfected by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. He died there at Calvary, that perfect sacrifice lamb, that Adam, that the, the first Adam didn't, ha- didn't have that ability. They had, the, they had to slay a lambskin and wrap him in robes. And now we have that second Adam, the perfect lamb. Amen. How do we get into it? How do we, Brother Bram says, that, how do we know that we get that? He said, well, by one spirit. We're all baptized into that one body. He says, the worshiper has to put his hands on that sacrifice by faith on the body bleeding body word of our lord jesus christ he says and feels the terror you feel the shame you feel the agony you feel what he went through the groanings of gethsemane says you know that you're guilty he says you confess your sins he says, oh blessed lord i'm guilty i'm guilty he said there's no other way but you can help me he says, by faith, he says, you accept Jesus as your personal Savior and life from him that was released at Calvary comes on to the worshiper. Hallelujah. And baptizes him, amen, with the Holy Ghost. That life that was hidden in the blood cell of, the, of Christ on the cross and returns back and baptizes him and brings him into the body of Christ. I mean, what, a, what an incredible turn of events. I mean, to go from a horrible time in the garden from perfection and then sin entered in and marred that tore that picture right apart but god bringing back a, a, a sacrifice for that amen but it doesn't even stop there it even gets better and you say how is this because if we keep reading in hebrews 10 we'll go down to 15 he says, where, the, where of the Holy Ghost also is a witness for us? For after that, he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those, uh, them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Amen. Amen. It, no more. See of forgetfulness. It goes far out of his mind, never to be remembered again. Amen. Not only did he die to perfect you, but your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Amen. He took the judgment. We deserved it. We deserved everything that he went through. 
And he took that judgment. We were judged in him. Amen. Why wouldn't we want to take that now? Brother Bram says you'd either be judged here or you'd be judged there. You're going to be judged one way or the other. And here's a sacrifice that was slain before you. Be ye therefore perfect. The perfect sacrifice that could bring you into the presence of God. And you just say, Lord, I put my hands on that sacrifice tonight. I put my hands on that bleeding word. I accept I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. And take that blood and wash it over your hands and identify yourself with him. And you say, and in your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Amen? That's the judgment. I'll take that now. I said, oh, I want to see him, to look upon his face. What a champion he was to do that for us. I was thinking of the song, Andrew, our champion of love. When that divine love, he could see all the way down and intervene by grace and say, no, I have, I have, a, I have a way to save my children. Amen. He took everything Satan could throw at him. Everything he could throw at him. And God took it to him. You know the story of, uh, of uh, Arnold Van Rinkelried. I think we've, brother, everyone, anybody who's read the message better know Arnold Van Rinkelried, right? And there he was in battle. And Switzerland was going down. And they were at last stand. And they knew their families were at stake. And the, the soldiers were coming. And they, they had nothing. They had little sickles and whatever else they had to deal with. And, and here they were backed up against a wall. And this Arnold Van Rinkelried, if you remember, he talked to them. He says, men of Switzerland, this day I give my life for Switzerland. Right? He stood there. He said, just over the mountain is my wife and children, but they'll never see me again, is what he said. Okay? This, this story happened in, in history. And he says, well, what are you going to do? He said, follow me. Follow me and do the best that you can with what you have. And so he looked over the army and he ran right into the thickest of spears. And he grabbed the spears and he brought them into his, into his body. And he says, make way for liberty. Make way for liberty. And a hundred spears turned and catched him in his charge. And he threw his arms out, grouped them in his bosom and pinned them down. And he died at the end of those spears. He said, that was a great hero. Brother Bram says, oh, that was a little thing that happened that day. To compare to when Adam's race stood, and Brother Brown said, demons all around, marching on every side. He said the prophets had failed. said the sacrifice of bulls and lambs had failed. He said man's nature had failed. Everything. And Adam's little race stood there, defeated and outnumbered. But one stepped out of heaven and said, This day I die for Adam's race. Amen? He saw, he came to earth and was made flesh. And he said he went to the darkest of dreads for humanity. Humans, humans' darkest dreads was death. And he took that and he just plunged it into his bosom. And he said, make way for liberty. Amen? Amen. I wrote on the side, he said, it is finished, is what he said. Liberty was brought to mankind right then and there when he spoke those three words. Amen? Make way for liberty. He said he screams to his church, take this which I left you. Amen? My blood, my spirit, and fight with ever what you got. Amen? We can conquer tonight, he said, through that, friend. You can drive the devil from you. Amen? Every old enemy that's in your life, it can be drove out by the blood and the spirit of God. You can stand perfect in his presence because Christ made the way. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Amen? That's what I've been fellowship, well, fellowshipping with myself on these last few days. I said, Lord, what has been going through my mind? 
There's been a song, I don't know if Ryan even wrote it, but he sees no fault, he sees no stain, he sees no blemish, none remain. And it's been going over and over and over in our mind. I said, Lord, you see no fault. You see no blemish. I'm spotless. I'm the spotless bride of Jesus Christ. How? He, would have, he demanded that. He gave a way for it. He gave a way to perfect a bride so they could come spotless before him. Amen? And I will remember your sins and iniquities no more. Amen? The condemned, the sentenced, the guilty were now free. That's why scripture can say in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. There's nothing to feel condemned about. Absolutely zero. If you are, you haven't appropriately applied your hands to that sacrifice. That blood has not fully atoned you if you're feeling condemned. Amen. Check yourself. Say, well, I should be, I'm condemned or I have something. No, 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 you shouldn't. Therefore, there is no, no, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. No chains, not a prisoner. You're not, no more a prisoner to sin. There's nothing there. The chains have been broke. Amen. God's sacrifice atoned for all. Nothing could hold back now. Amen. He said, law puts you in jail. Law puts you in jail. Amen. We don't want the law. Okay. He says, Moses was the law. Elijah, he said, was justice. He said, but Christ was mercy. Amen. There they were standing on Mount Transfiguration. And Peter, well, we should create, uh, you know, temples. No, 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 no. Hear ye him. That's the one I want. I want mercy. Amen. It is finished. That's what he is. Sacrifice. Perfect. He annihilated all the guilt because the Lamb of God was perfect in every way. So then that the one putting his hands on that sacrifice is perfect in every way. Amen. If the sacrifice is perfect, then the loosing was perfect. Amen? It's not a halfway deliverance either. What you're battling, or you're going through a sin, or you're going through a struggle, or you haven't committed yourself to God, the loosing from that is also perfect. Never to return again. That's the power in the sacrifice of a perfect lamb. Amen? Brother Brown said, and I just said it, if you're still struggling with something, or you're feeling condemned, it's because you haven't appropriately applied that blood Amen. He said, how, there's no condemnation. How can there be? There's nothing to be condemned for. Because the blood has loosed us from sin and we're guiltless. He said, don't listen to man. Don't listen to your own thoughts. Listen to the word. The word says, you're perfect. The word says, I made an atonement. I, a bleeding lamb, the perfect sacrifice, atoned for all sin. Therefore, there's no condemnation. That's the word. Listen to the word, because you're loosed by a perfect blood. You say, well, I make mistakes. Yeah. We'll stumble, we fall. But our Abraham says, we know we make mistakes. He says, you mustn't look at that. It's not your mistakes, because you're always going to have them. He says... Stumble and falling doesn't have one thing to do with it. A real true servant, if he'll stumble, he'll get up again. He'll get up again. If he wobbles, God pulls him right back on the path as long as he's on the path of duty. Amen? It's the desire that's in. He said, Peter. He said, Peter even denied him. But he said, then he went and wept bitterly because there's something inside him. He said, oh, God, I I didn't mean to do that. 
That, that's not me. I don't want that. Lord, take that from me. Lord, please. The perfect sacrifice. Amen. There to atone for all. I think of the blood, the bumper. I won't go into the story. I think of the bumper of blood that is around the earth. And Brother Brown talks about the vision he's seen. If you go into that account and what he saw and he walked in and the, the woman on the slot machine and the music going on and he's standing there looking at uh, an, old, an older woman. He said 60 to 70 years old and he's purple nail polish and blue hair. I can't imagine back then that sight. That's what we're looking at right now. And I can guarantee you we've all had the same thought that he had. God, why couldn't you just wipe this from the earth? This earthquake can wipe it away. But then God took him back. He took him out and he said, look, he saw that bumper, that blood streak around the earth. And he saw Christ there. And every time Brother Branham did something, he said, I was little. He was even something small. And that black thing went up there. And he said he caught it and took it to him. Amen. That's the perfect sacrifice. Then he saw that recording angel. He said he was writing stuff down in the book. He said, oh, no, no. And he went up there. He said, oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Could you take that away? And he took from his side, he said, and he took that book. He threw it behind him. Never to be remembered no more. And he said, now, what about the woman? And, man, we can, we can apply that to ourselves, but sometimes we can cut off and we look at a generation out there but God's blood still atones for them. Amen. We were all sinners. But his perfect sacrifice made us perfect. And it's still strong enough. We're still here. So there's still one more. Amen. And remember that the, the bumper keeping us, keeping us atoned. He sees the perfect one. As long as I'm here, he said, in him, then I am perfect. Not in myself. In him. Not my perfection. I don't have any. We have nothing. Nothing on our own. He says, but it's in him that we're perfect. Amen. What is perfect? I told you. Flawless. Faultless. Without blemish. I'll even go back and I'll tell you again. And man trying to attain without fault. Flawless. Free from a flaw or defect. Absolute. Complete. Something that man has said it's unattainable. We can't make it. I'm here to tell you tonight. You're perfect. Amen. They can't be perfect in themselves. They can't be perfect in man's ideas. But you can be perfect in a bleeding bloody lamb that is slain for our sins. Amen. He said, there's nothing the devil can say that will overpower this word. Amen. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's impossible. Impossible. No condemnation. No guilt. You're blameless. You're spotless. You're without a wrinkle. Because the perfect sacrifice... Who can lay anything to the charge of you? Is it God that justifieth? Who is he that condemneth? Is it, it is Christ that died, yea, rather, rose again. Amen. That's our God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall sickness, distress, or persecution, famine, sword? Nothing. Nothing. Because we're perfect in Christ. A perfect word, a perfect sacrifice. Unattainable? Not so. Because we have a perfect lamb that died for our sins. Amen?
I'm not a, I'm not a long speaker. Musicians, you can come. Those that have put your hands on a sacrifice, you can rejoice. You can leave here. We sang, for it reaches to a highest mountain. Amen? We sang, my sins are gone. Amen? Why? Because we can identify ourselves with a bloody word that said, I'll take the curse. I'll take the penalty. I'll stand in the gap for my people. I, I, can't, I, I want fellowship with them. I need fellowship. This is my son. This is my daughter. My sons, my daughters, I need fellowship with them. So I'll come down. I'll become the penalty. I'll take the penalty. Amen? And we identify ourselves with that. We can rejoice and say, oh God, thank you for that sacrifice that I can be made perfect in him. Amen? And maybe you haven't. Maybe you are feeling condemned. Maybe saying, well, that, that's me. I, I'm, I don't feel free like that. I can't say I'm perfect. That's why we're here tonight. That's why we come to service like tonight. Because maybe you need to put your hands on a sacrifice and say, Lord, I identify with the cross. I identify with the blood that was shed on Calvary so that I can be made perfect. Amen. That's your opportunity. That's our opportunity tonight. Tonight, Brother Bram said, God requires perfection. It's required. Be therefore perfect. I can imagine the disciples saying, oh, how do we how do, we do that? The perfect sacrifice hadn't come yet, but it was coming. God knew it was coming. He said it and was providing a way. Amen? He requires your loyalty, he said tonight. No matter how much you sin or how little or how much, you're still a sinner and cannot go in any other way but by Christ Jesus, the all-sufficient sacrifice. And in him, you're perfect forever. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. I want to sing Worthy, Worthy as a Lamb tonight. Listening, we'll start with the first verse and hear the cry of the shackled from the onset of time. Amen. For the chains of defeat, there's no key. See the tears of the broken and the cries of the slaves. He said, is there no one? Is there no one to set us free? Is there no one to take the guilt the weight of sin. But those that have put our hands on a bleeding word, we can go right to that second verse. And they said the crying is still. As the chorus rings out, because the shackled are released from their chains. Amen. That's what happened on Calvary. As the whip was being put on his back, and the blood was staining that, and the flapping and flapping of that bloody robe, the chains of defeat were being broken and thousands of voices could swell in the song worthy, worthy the lamb that was slain, amen can we sing that, sing that sing Lord thank you thank you for a perfect sacrifice thank you that I could be perfected in you, you didn't leave us hanging and depart out of my presence you weren't there Adam and Eve feeling the brunt of that, depart from me saying no come that sword that stood there holding Adam and Eve out of the garden, but Abraham says is now pushing you back, saying, there's a way. There's a way back. Take it. It's free. You can be perfect. It's free. Amen. Let's sing it. Hear the cries. 
maybe we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. I believe the Holy Spirit is very present right now. I believe He's very present. And it would be a miss just to close the service and just go home and hope. We, I believe the Holy Spirit is talking to someone. And maybe you're that someone. And you want to reach out by faith and take a hold of that bleeding lamb. Say, Lord, Lord, you see me where I am. You're my Savior. You're my deliverer. You're my healer. You're my everything. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here that just said, I need the blood. I need that washing. I need the blessed Holy Spirit that Brother Michael was speaking of tonight. Not just a story, it's a reality. Maybe there's a young person said tonight will be my night the Holy Spirit came right down to my address and I'm going to take that word Father many many hands raised maybe I didn't see them all Lord but you're the king of glory you see every Motive, you see every hand lifted, you see every heart that's present in this little building tonight. Lord, we fight an adversary, and he plagues our minds, and he tells and he causes us to stumble. But we're not looking at our failures, we're looking at the blood. Because it's the blood that reaches to every crevice of our lives. And it can cleanse us. It can wash us. As we heard tonight, it perfects us. By the perfect offering that you are this evening. So Lord, various ones have lifted up their hands. Would you, Lord, supernaturally minister to that heart, that life. Lord, they're not looking around. Lord, they're looking to Calvary. They're not looking to a man at a pulpit right now. They're looking to the Lamb of God that's able to save, able to deliver, able to set free, able to wash away their sins, never to be remembered again. And so with my heart lifted up with my hands, Lord, I pray that you will do a supernatural work within every life tonight, that the things that have plagued them will plague them no more, that the Word of God has found an entrance within their hearts and lives. We bless your name. We thank you, Lord, for your eternal work. We thank you, Lord, that you could speak to a sinner such as I. Turn my sorrow into bliss. We're thankful for the dealings of the Holy Spirit, Lord. You mean everything to me. So, Lord, I'm asking that your presence would rest upon your children. We would ponder these things. That we'd keep that atmosphere of that environment alive. 
Lord, not get lost in the, in the, in the small talk of life. But may we cherish these times and carry them with us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. We, I, we place you in the highest place. We place you in the highest place for Lord Jesus, lift him up. He will dwell all men to himself. And if God's drawing you and the Holy Spirit is beckoning you, Brother Bram said at one time, he says, even if it's a little tinkle, he says, because in this kind of preaching and this kind of presence, they used to run to the altar. Now, saints of God, it's not a causing you to come or telling you to come you have to start beckoning to the Holy Spirit speaking in your heart tonight 
Don't close that door on him. Open it wide. Open it wide. Amen. Brother Michael, why don't you come and close in a word of prayer? high priest oh the very heart of God poured out Lord in agony Lord Jesus to draw us to your side Lord God Lord that we would be as you are Lord as you had envisioned before there was a world We were perfect in you there, Lord Jesus. Lord, in this last day, we gather around your word and we hear the encouragement. We hear how wonderfully marvelous a sacrifice you have made for a sinner such as I, O God could hardly hold my head up to come into the service, Lord, but you raised us up again by your faithful word. It is finished. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. 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 Praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord Praise your holy name. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Jesus. Blessed, bleeding lamb. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the release. Release from our sins, from our guilt. Thank you, Jesus. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Oh God, your people rejoice. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. 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 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory. Bless your name. Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, Lord. We adore you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. evening we've come to you Lord you've wrapped your loving arms around us oh we bless your holy name it's hard to leave Lord hallelujah thank you Jesus Father, long for that day, Lord. This presence will never leave. Thank you, Jesus. Precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Michael. It was in this kind of a service, Brother Michael and I were down in Dallas, Texas, and it was on a Saturday evening. And it was this kind of a service, Brother Josh Revis. Just got down at his seat. And just started to call on the name of the Lord. And that's what we have services like this for. People that really want to mean mean business with God. Maybe there's somebody who wants to come up. And we often say there's no special place at the altar, but there is a special place. And if you'd like to be prayed for, we'd love to pray with you. If you'd love to rededicate your life, we'd love to pray with you for that. May the Holy Spirit dig down deep within our souls and prepare us for the great testing day that lays ahead. So God bless you. You're dismissed. In Jesus' name, God be with you.